Hopefully. Lord, come speak through me that everything be accomplished, your will to be done in Jesus' name, that it be powerful, that your word go forth. We bind the enemy. Um, I ask you, Lord, to speak through me that these words will go forth as living seeds of truth, sown into good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives, and watered by the Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains. Let there be a washing of the water of the Word of God and a light shining. Lord, in dispelling all the darkness, the lies, the evil deception of the enemy and bring truth and revelation. Bless this time, Lord. We, we bind anything of the enemy away. Let everything be accomplished. Your will to be done in this word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm dealing with part four of love, family, and marriage. This isn't going to be very long, but I want you to give me your best year if you would. All right, just to recap that we've got to have Christ's love in our families. Okay, that's extremely important. We've got to have Christ's love in our families. So what I mean by that is if we're living to make the other person um, happy and please them and we're not totally focused on our selfish wants, okay, if two people being married, if the husband will be living to try to... um, love his wife and make sure that that she's doing what he can to make her happy and vice versa and vice versa where the the wife is trying to live to make her husband happy and not and not just being totally consumed with selfishness so many people are just totally completely consumed listen you gotta listen to people talk about their family or their their husband wife whatever they're not happy but if you listen to them it's all about well i don't have what i want the way i want it and he's not what i want and he doesn't do what i want him to do and it's all about me 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 what i want it's totally selfish that's the way the world views relationships what i can get out of it but christ's love is that lord i want to be a giving person and i want to do what i can to show my love to this person and build them up. And another important thing, just kind of recapping what we've talked about, is to have a humility approach where you're saying, Lord, whatever needs to happen in me for this marriage to be what it's supposed to be, change me. Instead of constantly trying to change the other person. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Because this stuff I'm telling you can really... um, radically change a marriage and really set it on the right course but people that are always trying to fix their spouse they're always trying to fix the other person those people are going to live very frustrated because you know i've been in this thing long enough i've seen a lot of this you got two people that are trying to fix each other It's just, it, not only will it not work, it's going to be constant strife. Only the Lord can change people, really, you know. And so it's, instead of trying to fix the other person so much, saying, Lord, whatever you need to do in me to help me be the better spouse, and then just pray for your spouse and bless them and let God do a work in them. But if both, think about it, both spouses will have that attitude. Lord, whatever you need to do in me to help me be the better spouse, it, to be what I need to be. If both of them have that attitude, then it's going to make for a very healthy home. So you got two people that instead of being selfish, they want to show love to one another. They want the other person to be happy. And you got two people, instead of trying to fix each other, 
they're praying, Lord, do it in me. Help me to be what I need to be. And that right there is going to be a marriage that is going to be very healthy. Amen? All right. And then the next thing I would say is this. Those that are single, make sure that you're only pursuing someone that shares your Christian values. You better make sure. And I don't just mean that they say they're a Christian, because there's a lot of people that say they're a Christian, but when you get past the surface, they really don't live maybe the life that you think they should be living. And if you marry yourself to that, there's, there's going to be a lot of heartache there. So you need to make sure that they share your values. They share your convictions. They share your convictions about even things like what movies are considered to be clean or not clean. The type of friends that you hang around. The places that you go together. You know, some people call themselves a Christian but feel very comfortable going out on Friday nights like to maybe clubs or something in in an ungodly environment. Maybe they socially drink and maybe you don't feel comfortable with that. So you need to dig past the surface and find out what they're really like, okay, before you pursue a marriage relationship. And also, you need to make sure that you hear from God about who you're going to marry. You need to hear from God. So many people get caught up with the emotion and all these other things. That's why dating creates a lot of problems because people get so caught up with each other emotionally and they kind of get entangled and they're not really hearing from God. That It's just kind of they're in that romantic relationship. You know, there's a saying, love is blind. Man, it's true. When two people date, man, and then once they get married and they have to live with each other, it's just they just fight like crazy and can't stand each other. So there needs to be, you need to get beyond the surface and really hear from God about these things. Make sure that you're doing, and the, one of the things that I would encourage is um, seek godly counsel. You know, go, if your parents are, are godly counsel, maybe ask them, but also maybe a, a pastor or a really good Christian friends and get their input and tell them to be brutally honest. Because, you know, they may tell you, and you may really like this person, they may tell you it's a bad idea. And you need to really hear what they're saying. All right, so that leads me to this point about hearing from God. How do we really hear from God? The book of Habakkuk 2, verse 2 It says, the Lord answered me, and he said, write down the vision, make it plain on tablets, on stone, so that he may run that reads it. So how how do we hear from God? You know, it's, it's like a lot of times people say, describe to me, you know, how do you hear from God? And it's kind of hard to explain because God speaks in such a way that it's very difficult to really explain. It's not a booming voice, um, you know, it's... Uh, well, I'll do my best to explain it here. So, the first thing I would say, because, you know, I'm telling you to hear from God about who you're going to marry, and you do need to do that. So, I'm going to explain for a moment how do you hear from God. When you first start out trying to hear from the Lord, you need to probably get in a quiet place and remove distractions. So, if you're blaring like a movie and you're trying to play a video game or something, at the same time, you're like, God, speak to me. Um, You're probably going to have a hard time with all the distractions going on. But let me say this. Once you develop a relationship with the Lord and you're used to hearing his voice, it will become increasingly easy to be around distractions and still hear him. But when you first start out, you need to find a quiet place, okay, a place of prayer, and be still before the Lord. 
Okay. The next thing I would say is that you need to renew your mind with the Word of God. You need to realize that God is going to speak to you in alignment with His Word. He's not going to tell you something that goes against His Word. Does that make sense? So there has to be a renewing of your mind with Scripture. And the Bible says if you renew your mind, that you will know the, the good, pleasing, perfect will of God. You will know His will. And so there is, there is this understanding that I have to let my mind be washed with the water of the Word and renew it and be in agreement with it. And God will speak to me that way. He'll speak to me in alignment with His Word. And God can use His Word to speak to you. That's a way that God can speak to you. Um. And so let, let me say, let me read through these and then I'll, I'll give you some good examples. But a lot of people will see pictures or visions when God speaks to them. You'll see like a glimpse. A lot that's very common. So you may ask God to show you something, speak to you, and, you, and all of a sudden this picture or this image or something, you see it. But see, you have to learn to discern if that's you or if it's God. And then also, learning to hear the flowing, speaking voice of the Lord as opposed to your own thoughts. And everybody catch that, because that's, that's the key. The Lord, your, your own personal thoughts, you can, uh, I'll say it this way, we probably can distinguish between the two if we really focus, because you know yourself and you know the way you think. But see, there's this flowing voice of the Lord that will not be from you. It, I mean, it's like a flow of, of thought, and maybe God shows you an image, and it's a, a line of thinking, and there's this voice there, and God's speaking to you, and there's a flow, but it's not originating with you. It, it's, it's the Lord flowing. And that's the best way that I know to describe the voice of the Lord. And... You need to get to know the leading and the voice of the Holy Spirit. You need to get to know um, His unction, His leading, because the Holy Spirit, um, as you get to know Him, you can feel like when He's wanting you to do something. You can feel that nudge, if you will. And you need to get familiar with that. And you can also feel when something's not right. He'll give you that feeling that just something's not right about this person or this situation. This, there's something off. I can't put my finger on it. And you can feel that the Holy Spirit is warning you. And get to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. And then I would say you need to document what you hear. This is really important. Because there's many ways that God will speak to you. He may give you a dream. And I taught a few years back on dreams. People took it to heart. Now people come to me pretty frequent with dreams and and in, they interpret them themselves so that's praise god that's amazing and they and they're very good it's very powerful and i appreciate that so that's one of the ways god speaks is through dreams he speaks through visions he'll show you things and there's this flowing this flowing voice and there's also this leading where you feel this this nudge of the spirit all right so let me give you some examples real quick um one of the things that i started out doing was in my personal prayer time you know i just soak and listen to the lord ask him to speak or whatever and he'll he'll show you things but one of the ways i really started developing this was like this i asked the lord to show me something and to, to show me it out of his word but to to tell me where to go and tell me what to read 
Now, when you first start this, don't be discouraged whenever you you miss it, okay? Because that's going to happen at first if this is new to you. And I'll tell you some funny stories. When I first started doing this, I remember I'd feel like, okay, I need to look. Okay, this scripture. And I look it up, and it did, you know it was like chapter nine, verse twenty-seven, and it ended on twenty-six. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, that wasn't it, you know. <laughs> so don't be too hard on yourself, okay? Yeah, I used to get a pretty good laugh about that. I'm sure the Lord did too. But anyway, as time went on, as time went on, it, I began to really, you know, sense what he's saying. And now um, I, I do that pretty frequent. The Lord speaks to me a lot through that, a lot. Um, he'll, In fact, he just tells me, He'll tell me stuff sometimes that seems so random. Um, he's told me words that I did not have a clue what he was talking about. And I went and looked it up, and then it ended up just opening up um, a whole uh, prophetic thing for me or the church. It was really amazing. So that's one way you can do it is just when you're quiet, so, Lord, you know, show me show me something in your word, um, where to read. I, I want. And, and what happens is he may speak to you, and you sense to go to a certain book of the bible and read something and then what you read he'll begin to show you something out of that and that's a really good way to start hearing the lord at at least it was for me and then document what he shows you and so pretty soon what happens is you become more sensitive to his leading and you become more sensitive to his voice and his revelation like what he's showing you and another thing i would say if you want to really develop your inner man is is to pray in tongues and one of the best times, because most everybody has some kind of a job, um, when you drive to work and back, and when, when you're, if you have a type of work where you're by yourself for a little bit or something, those are really good times to pray in the Spirit. And as, as, especially on the road driving, you really, it really develops your inner man and your sensitivity to the Lord. All right, so these are things that will really help you if you'll put them into practice, Okay. And don't, don't be discouraged, like I said earlier, if at first you're off about things, but you'll, it'll become more clear with time. All right. So here's something in regards to family. Setting the course. I'm just going to give you like three things, okay? And then we'll pray for people. The first one is when you get married... I cannot tell you how important it is to have an authority figure speak a blessing over you. An authority figure speaking a blessing over you is huge. Okay, Let me read it to you in Ruth 4.11. All the people who were in the court and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built up the house of Israel, and may you achieve wealth in Ephrathath, which was uh, an ancient name for Bethlehem, and become famous in Bethlehem. So it's interesting because when Ruth and Boaz got married, they went before the elders, and the elders spoke a blessing over Ruth and Boaz. They spoke a blessing over their marriage. And the very thing that they spoke, that they would be famous in Bethlehem, that very thing they spoke, uh, think about it, Jesus was a descendant of Ruth and Boaz. And where was he famous from? Bethlehem. So I'm just trying to say that these these blessings are awesome, powerful. And in the Hebrew roots that we can draw from, 
um, Jewish culture, there's always blessings that are spoken at marriages. And so when my wife and I got married, I asked my father to speak a blessing. He spoke a blessing over us. And I asked the minister to speak a blessing as well. And it was very powerful. We actually have that recorded. And um, yeah, I listen to it sometimes. So these blessings are, are extremely powerful. It will, what will happen is when authority figures speak a blessing over you as you get married, they're literally putting these words on your life. They're stamping you with a blessing that will help to set the course of your marriage down a path of great blessings. Wedding ceremonies that involve a blessing also may be communion that's taken. We took um, the Lord's Supper at our wedding, my wife and I did. All right, and also I would say the husband should bless his wife and children at least weekly. This again draws from uh, our Hebrew roots that every Sabbath there will be uh, the husband will the father will speak a blessing over his wife and children it's very powerful and i'm telling you these things are very significant i believe that if just that alone i believe if pastors would start taking communion with their congregation and speak a blessing over them if that's the only thing that they change i believe that church would start changing a lot and those people start changing a lot and i believe if christian families would start maybe taking the Lord's Supper together once a week on their Sabbath whenever they have that, and that father would speak a blessing. I believe the atmosphere of that home would start changing, and that family would start changing. Stubborn things that maybe they've struggled with would start changing. The power of speaking blessings is incredible. My wife and I bless each other every night before we go, we go to bed. We pray together and speak a blessing over one another. And another thing I heard someone say is that maybe it's a good thing for a husband and wife to sit down and maybe write out a vision of what they feel they would like to see together fulfilled um, as a married couple and their children and just kind of like documenting their dreams and pray over it. And that could be something that's really powerful. But nonetheless, blessings. Everybody say blessings. So if you're already married and you didn't have somebody bless your, your marriage, Maybe you could write out something and go to your father and mother now or a father or I would recommend a male authority figure like a father, grandfather, or an uncle. Or if you don't have any of that, maybe have your pastor stand in proxy um, as a male authority figure and have them speak a blessing over you, over your marriage, okay? All right, the next thing is this, a peaceful home. And I feel the Holy Spirit prompting me back. I... I don't want to do weddings anymore without somebody speaking a blessing. Now that I understand this, I would strongly encourage, like if I was a part of the, the, the person that's going to perform the wedding or do counseling, I would tell them, you need to have one of your fathers or both your fathers speak a blessing of you. Well, they're not Christian. They're not going to know what to do. It's like, listen, it's not hard, though, to write something down on paper that you want to see happen and just read that over them. They can do that. And I would really encourage that. Because whether they're Christians, whether they understand it or not, just tell them, hey, it means a lot to me if you would do this. And most, most of them will do that. All right, now moving on. A peaceful home. Ephesians 4.26. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Everybody is going to get angry sometimes. Yeah, it's reality. Okay, everybody's going to get angry. And it's, and it's normal that every husband and wife are going to have some disagreements and some fights here and there. Okay, 
But you want peace instead of strife in your home. So you're going to have to be a peacemaker. And so the Bible talks about do not go to bed angry with unresolved issues. So here's the thing. If you've wronged somebody or you feel they've wronged you in your home, husband and wife or maybe between the kids, and you know that maybe there's some hurt feelings there, it's very important that you try to not allow the sun to go down and everybody go to sleep with those unresolved hurt feelings and possibly unforgiveness. Because if you do, the Bible says not to do it, so if you do, now you're in disobedience to the Bible. And what I could see, it's like a patio glass door, you know. You can just see like some kind of an opening begin to slide open where now a spirit of strife can begin to try to come into that home. And when you get up the next day, it's not going to be better. It's liable that it will get actually a lot worse. And sometimes when these spirits get in, it's hard to get them back out. So I would strongly encourage people to do what you can to keep your home peaceful. And that means that you do not go to bed with unresolved issues. It's actually because the Bible says not to. It is actually sin to do it because you're disobeying the Bible. So stop, even though maybe you're arguing and fighting, and forgive one another and pray together and get that under the blood. So there's not this hurt feelings. Even with the kids, go to them and try to make sure that things are the way they need to be. All right. And let me say this too, to be a peacemaker, be content with what you have and don't always be striving for more. Some people are not happy within themselves and so they keep trying to get happy with buying material things. Everybody hear that? Some people are not happy within themselves and so they're always trying to to get happiness by buying things, getting things. Like that's going to make them happy, and it doesn't. And so that makes them be more frustrated. And what happens is, is that can create a lot of stress and problems in a marriage because it brings now a dimension of financial problems. And so we need to learn to just be content with what we have and let the Lord heal whatever needs to be healed in us to where we're not trying to be happy through the wrong means. The Lord needs to be the source of our happiness and our joy. So in regards to being a peacemaker, we're going to be humble, ask forgiveness. We're not going to let the sun go down with unresolved issues. We're going to learn to be happy with what we have. Another thing is God hates divorce. The Bible says that. It should not be in our vocabulary. So when you get married, do not... Y'all hear me about what I'm about to say. Don't ever threaten like that. Even if you get mad, I'm going to tell you something that will help you and can save you a lot of hurt. In the Bible, there's a reason why the Bible talks about that like an elder of a church, which it's speaking in the Bible, it's speaking of like the pastor's a head elder, and then there's other leaders that are like elders. But it says that an elder cannot be somebody that's given to having um, like a temper, like blowing up in rage, blowing up in anger, that that disqualifies them from being an elder. So 
The reason why that's in the Bible is, is this right here. <clears throat> Sometimes in a family, somebody can lose their temper and get mad. They can say things that really hurt somebody in their anger. Now, they may go the next day and say, I'm sorry I said it. And the other person will forgive them. But it can take, and I'm not exaggerating, it can take years to heal the damage that was done. They may still forgive you, but it can still take years to heal what was done in that moment. So I'm telling you this because I'm trying to save people some heartache. We've got to learn to be people that control, in a, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have self-control to not blow up in anger, blow up in rages, and say things that are going to hurt people. <clears throat> and tell me you guys know that, you know, you forgive somebody, but sometimes there can be wounds there that only God can heal, and it can really take some time. All right, so we're quick to forgive, humble, quick to apologize. And then the last thing I want to say is there has to be a healthy bond that's formed. Ephesians 5.31 For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. The two become one. So I'm thankful I have, I have really good parents and, and, but not everybody has this type of situation. That, that, you know, with me having really good parents, some people's parents may be controlling, busy-bozzy type, okay? They want to meddle in your personal business, okay? There has to be, for you to have the type of marriage you need to have, when the two get married and become one, there needs to be a disconnect in a healthy way to where the two can really become one. Because if you have like a busybody mother-in-law, and there's a lot of jokes about that because there's a lot of truth to it. But if you have a busybody mother-in-law that's always trying to find out personal information and interject her opinion and trying to control the situation, man, it can really create a lot of unnecessary marital problems. And the husband needs to put an end to that and disconnect there and separate some. So let me put it this way. If you have, when you get married, you're going to have to have a healthy disconnect. I'm not saying be far away because that's not necessarily what needs to happen, but it's like people are now not in your intimate business. It's now your family and your home. And you need to work out your problems, learn how to work them out between the two of you. And when things get difficult, it's not like one person is running off to mom and dad. I can't believe what he said. It's like, look, good parents will say, you go back and work it out. Leave me out of it. Well, that's good parents will do that. But there doesn't need to be this running back to mom and dad. There needs to be this, we're one now. The two have become one. We're going to learn how to work out our differences. We're going to learn how to become one and create a home and a life for ourselves. So there needs to be a breaking of any type of external control that's not of God. 
There's got to be a healthy leaving and cleaving. A healthy separation. And how many of you guys know opposites attract? So this is a very important thing to bring out. It's not in the Bible, but it's true. A lot of times, God brings two people together that are very different. And the differences are meant to complement one another, but sometimes it doesn't seem that way. A lot of married couples just, I can't stand this about them. They're so different to me. They think so different. But if you would understand that God brought the two of you together, and together you complement one another, okay? And focus on the good in that. So, here's the last thing, 1 Peter 3, 5. For in this way in former times, the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by being submissive to their own husbands and adapting themselves to them. So as the two become one, the, the wife now has got to begin to adapt herself to the husband and them form together that life together. Is this making sense? As I've heard of, for example, maybe people, they get married and for financial reasons or something, maybe they live with their mom and dad for a short time. I'm not saying that that's wrong, but I'm saying that you'll never be able to leave and cleave like that. And it's never really going to be a healthy situation. So I would encourage people as soon as you can, just you know, get your own home, get your own place, and begin to set it up. Let, let the wife begin to, to set things up the way she likes it decorated and, and, and the two of them form a house together. This is important. The two of them form a life together, okay? And if you are blessed like I am with good parents, you know you want them close and, and you want to spend a lot of time with them. Um, but not everybody has that. Some, some people's parents may be really controlling. Amen. And so that would be important to, uh, to let there be a healthy separation. All right, so Father, we thank you for the power of your word as we get into your word about families. And I pray for strong families, Lord. We pray for that, that there's going to be strengthening in homes and marriages, that the two really become one, and there's going to be a healthy bond. We pray that there's going to be peace, that people are willing to humble themselves and apologize and be willing to deal with things and, and keep peace in that home. And Lord, we pray that also for the wisdom of having someone speak a blessing over that marriage and over that family to set them on a course of blessing for their life. Lord, we bless you and thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So if you could go ahead and shut down.